Hey, welcome back to the Infus Podcast. This is Brian. This is Daryl. And this is episode 386. Goodbye, Miss Marvel. We hardly knew ya. <laughs> and we really don't care. <laughs> Did you read the subtitle? <laughs> Oh yeah, that's. If you guys want to read this sometime, you're gonna to have to listen to the podcast, <laughs> or go visit the website. Anyway, um, all right. So this week, Daryl did not see Guardians three yet. After I, in good faith, went and saw it. Um. So we're talking about Ted Lasso episode ten, and then I found a bunch of really fun news bites. Yeah. So on that. I have failed this podcast. Yes. I will say I liked it a lot. I gave it a I, I give it a 7.33 out of 10. Um it was really sad when Nebula killed Star Lord and then took his helmet and said, I'm the Star Lord now, bitch. <laughs> um and then she went off with Gamora, like holding hands into some weird rift, like the end of Korra. It was very odd. It was very odd. That's a spoiler. I haven't finished Cora. <laughs> I didn't say who Cora went off with. Oh. Well, she went off. I thought she died in like episode six. It could have been Nala. <laughs> it, with her paw? It could have been Pabu. Yeah. The only thing I thought of Nala, I just saw Lion King, so. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Anyway, all right, so we're going to hop right into this. Uh, Daryl, I assume you've had a good week because when I've talked to you this week, you've been in a good mood. So, um, all right, jumping right in. The Hollywood Reporter uh, Entourage creator flips out over proposed changes to show, not realizing it was a joke. Writer-producer Doug Elin mistakenly slammed the talent list revisionist hack who wrote a McSweeney satire piece of proposed changes to his HBO hit and to reflect modern sensitivities. This is my favorite thing I read all week. <laughs> it, it, it's hilarious for a couple of reasons that like reading some of the stuff they wrote was great. Yeah. But they did a good job of getting a little ridiculous. So mm -hmm. I, I still don't know how this guy didn't realize it wasn't satire. After um, you read a couple of the lines. Yeah. So like, it's McSweeney's, which is kind of a weird site anyway. And it's, uh, I don't even, yeah, I don't know that site. And it's, uh, it's written by Max Davis Davison and it's HBO's sensitivity reading for Entourage. <laughs> and it, it says, I'm, I'm just gonna read a little bit. Of, I'm gonna read like maybe the first two paragraphs. It says here, we at HBO recognize that our audience values have evolved. Similar to recent edits to Agatha Christie and Ronald Dahl, or sorry, Ronald Rolled. Rolled doll. Uh, we will be revising older shows with dated attitudes and values that do not reflect the current state of the world. This network has a responsibility to protect our viewers from the narrow-minded opinions of the past, which is why our first sensitivity reading will be the generation-defining classic of bygone era, Entourage. Entourage is very much a product of its time, and 2011 was an entirely different chapter in this nation's history. We've since undergone vast shifts in our views on women, race, and Ed Hardy. That's right there. <laughs> like, that's what killed me when it got to Ed Hardy. All right. We don't want modern audiences to have to confront the potentially offensive content or wonder how this show, an unironic love letter to douchebags, was ever considered being worthy of being broadcast on HBO. Now... This is hilarious, right? Doug, Doug Elon, like, 
like totally like went off and he's like, um, this was his tweet. You are very much a product of your time, you revisionist hack. Talentless nobodies like you speak on Twitter, then your zombie friends at shitty newspapers that nobody reads anymore reprint your trash. Tell President Obama and then NY Times how offensive we were. Those who try to rewrite history are offensive and dangerous, and Spielberg already regrets retouching E.T. Anyway, fuck you. Oh, we got a Peabody, Peabody and a BAFTA too, you loser, because uh, it won Emmys, <laughs> Golden Globe, you know. I mean, here's the thing. is like I, we've talked about Entourage several times on this podcast because like it, it it's legit one of my favorite shows of all time, like top 15. Um, and I, I hate watched it at the end because of just kind of the way it went, mainly because of how I hated myself, like for, for enjoying it. <laughs> but like... This is the thing, though. Like, I can understand why Doug Elin got upset because it's like, this is a thing that's that's actively happening. Like, there's somebody out there who read this and was like, holy shit, I only have access to HBO Max. I need to go buy the Blu-rays of Entourage. (laughs) Um, And then uh, Elin finally admits his error, um, confessing, (laughs) I'm not a very strong reader, he noted. (laughs) <laughs> and I may have been uninedible. <laughs> I did like that. <laughs> or, sorry, may have had an edible. Anyway, um, I mean, he's accused HBO of hiding the show, like not putting it under comedy, um, putting it in things like architectural and wish wish fulfillment under the, the HBO Max uh, categorization. But, you know, it's not under comedy. I mean, it is. That's the thing. Like, I went and checked. Like, I don't know. I have it on my. I have it on my list. You know, to just go back and watch randomly. Um. But yeah, I don't know. I might watch this next after we're watching the Citadel. We started yeah. that. I actually really like it. Um. But anyway, see, I I, I didn't watch. Yeah, I. I, I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed last week's episode. The first two episodes were a little choppy. I really liked the idea yeah. behind the Citadel. Three and four were really good. We didn't watch five yet. So, yeah, I, I, I yeah, I did. But anyway, so. this is just a funny story. Like, this is honestly, if people are going to have beefs in the Hollywood Reporter, this is the kind of beefs that people should be having. Yes. Like somebody writes a satire piece and somebody overreacts. Like I'm 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 there for it. So all right, let's uh let's move on to the next story just because like this like I said was just a fun kind of thing. Um well Indiana Jones five, the the douche of density got viewed at Cannes this week. Um I I think that kind of the headline says this all. Indiana Jones in the Douche of Density review. Harrison Ford cracks the whip one last time in a final chapter short on both thrills and fun. Uh, yeah, I... The the hate that Phoebe Waller-Bridge is getting online is kind of funny. Um, here's the thing. Fleabag, Phoebe Waller-Bridge's speed, Phoebe Waller-Bridge's wheelhouse, where Phoebe Waller-Bridge excels at a drunk 
chain smoking 304 who falls in love or lust more appropriately with a priest and gets him to break his vows. That's funny. It's a funny show. It's actually a really good show. I thoroughly enjoyed the entire thing, especially the fourth wall breaking. Phoebe Waller-Bridge writing a tentpole male-dominated testosterone-filmed action movie makes me think James Mangold might have gone through some sort of transition surgery, and that's why we ended up with what we got based on the reviews. He's is it Jamie Mangold way. now? I mean, he's come a long way from Logan. Listen, at, at this point, Logan is is the outlier for James Mangold. <laughs> it may have been a ghostwriter or something. Like, I, no, I, I I think he he learned a lot about uh, you know, just Wolverine as a character from from the stuff that he did, um, with um. What was the one with the the silver samurai? Um, oh, uh, the first one, the, the first one that he did, that he directed. Origin. Uh, no, it was the, the no, it was the the sequel to Origins. Did he do Origins? Oh, wait, what is the? Okay, I'm just gonna go through his. I know he what you're did. About. Like he did Copland. Copland is a great movie. Girl Interrupted, great movie. Kate and Leopold, eh. Identity, eh. Walk the Line, great movie. Men in Trees. Uh, it was a TV show. Never heard of it. 310 to Yuma. Awesome. Night and Day. Awesome. NYCC 22. Never heard of it. It's a TV show. Vegas. Director TV series. The Wolverine. That was the second the one. The Wolverine. Uh, yeah. Really stupid. Like, really, really stupid. Logan. Uh, I hate, 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 hate that I love that movie. Um, just because of my feelings towards Wolver Suck. Um, Ford versus Ferrari. Great movie. Indiana Jones in the Douche of Density. You co-opted your voice to Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Good on you, buddy. Yeah, I there's. I checked out. The, they all they needed to do was just leave Indiana Jones alone after the Last Crusade. Yeah. Instead, there again. This is going to be filled, and based on based on what I read, mm-hmm. based on the review, and this is not even a surprise. This is going to be filled with nostalgia bait and member berries and all of that stuff, and then some of the stuff you mentioned with Phoebe Waller Bridge. Mm-hmm. And it's just I don't see it's uh, I don't see it doing well at the box office. Uh, yeah, I, I think you know the fact that it's a. Um, like a two and a half hour runtime, you know? Yeah, really? It's, yeah, it's just like really wide. Like this movie should have been a, a tight hour fifty. Yeah, there's no reason for two two thirty for an Indiana Jones movie. There's no reason for two hours for an Indiana Jones movie. Let's be honest. There's only been two good Indiana Jones movies. I would agree with that because I don't care if you like the Temple of Doom; it sucks. Temple of Doom to me is just meh. Yeah. Forget it's very other than obviously short round, it's great. But like there's nothing You mean data uh, from the Goonies? <laughs> uh but yeah, it's that was the perfect ending. The last crusade would it's the perfect ending to yeah. the trilogy. Well, you know, just like anything else, it can't be left alone again. Or left 
let be left alone for good. So, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> I love this. Uh, they're talking, it's talking about kind of like the late sixties and all that. And it says, sadly, none of this amounts to much more than a talented director slumming it with mind numbingly wrote video game plotting. Waller bridge makes Helena quick with a wise crack handy with her fist and a demon behind the wheel and is, I do not know that word. D E R I G U E U R. I don't know. Uh, in the less restrictive gender coded times, she's unflappingly resourceful, never hapless, never helpless, but only towards the end when Helena has put aside her mercenary instincts long enough to show genuine concern and affection for Indiana, her godfather, does the chemistry between Waller Bridge and Form yield some pleasure. Um, and it's like, that's like two hours into the movie. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't get it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not going to see this. Like, yeah, I'm not. I, I'm, I'm like, not. I'm not even gonna watch it on your Disney Plus account. Yeah, I I'll watch it when it comes on Disney Plus, but I'm I'm not going to the movie. I'm not spending money and time to see this. Yeah, you got money, you got time, you got a whole lot of spending time to do it, yeah, to, do I, it I, to do it, yeah. to do it, to do it, to do it, to do it right now. Because <laughs> you, you've got your mindset on it. <laughs> anyway uh yeah so i don't know for me like like i'm not surprised by reading that but also it's hard pass all right let's move on to the next uh next news cw president brad schwartz says the fate of soups and lolo mostly dependent on cost it's expensive and doesn't make money for us then we have a really simple solution for this is it the solution we mentioned like for the last since this was this premiered since the first episode of this show put it on hbo max yeah this is a tailor-made show for streaming and watching every week or better yet bending in packs of three um putting it like the this one week on five weeks off whatever is going on with this show right now kills any momentum this show ever has um and to uh, Brad Schwartz's point at the CW, they do not have access to the the back catalog, back catalog, so they can't even run reruns. Oh, didn't know that. It's all on it's all on Max. So, um, you know, he says Superman and Lois creatively is very strong. It does well in broadcast. It does well in digital, but it's expensive and it doesn't make us money. And we don't have the rights to prior seasons. We need to have a library for people to find the show and the prior seasons are on max. So it'll come down to the cost and profits with Superman and Lois, as well as the rights giving credibility and basis to the idea that max will inherit the show. The platform would be able to afford it um, and is growing the DC profile despite canceling doom patrol and Titans, both of which suck with the Batman spinoffs, including the penguin and the gestating Arkham series. And let's not talk. Let's not forget how bad the uh, Gotham Knights has been. So the uh, on being the elite, they were doing the thing with Ryan Nimeth, the Hollywood hunk, where he went down to the writer strike, and it had the lady who they put as the creator and 
executive producer of Gotham Knights and she's down there striking. And it's like, good, you should strike. You should actually not have a job. <laughs> yeah. Like, that, and, and that's, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like the, those are the people who are striking, like pay us more, represent us more, do this, do that. No, you, you don't, des- you don't get the right to ruin my characters anymore. You stay on the picket line, leave Superman alone. How dare you do to Nightwing what you've done to him? Both of you, all of you, all of you hacks. <laughs> so, anyway. yeah, this has been again, like you said, this is what we've been harping on from the start. Just don't even say, "Well, it's up in the air." Just have someone just say, "Look, we're putting this on Max. We'll, it's going to look better. It's going to be cons." Then this is yeah. the most important thing: consistently on. Yeah. Like you said, we're going to get this it down whole, to 10 episodes, 13, 10. Although most stream stuff is 13 or how, is 10. How, how funny but, was that screenshot that I sent you about shows being too long from 14 years oh, ago? Yeah. So yeah, I, yeah, I, I, had, I had a Facebook memory pop up and I was like, yes, yeah, season three of Chuck is coming back and it's only three, 13 episodes. So more, more story, less filler. And I sent it to Daryl, and he goes, just made fun of me. That's pretty much it. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was great. Well, it's Very funny, consistent. I was at 13, and now I'm like, give me a solid eight. <laughs> give me just eight really good episodes. <laughs> Can we do it in six? Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I don't know. Yeah, I you know, I think uh I, I mean I agree with him. And this guy, this Brad Schwartz guy, like the CW is not part of Warner Brothers anymore. It's a it's a different company and you know, he's got a lot a lot of stuff to do to get that uh get that network out of out of the peril that it's in and out of debt. So I I would think maybe do season four and then finish it out on the, on max. But I, I think just let it go to max. I'm with the, let it go to max Yeah, in, in the crowd. Just, just whip off the band aid, yeah. put it on max. Put Everybody will be happy. Yeah. Put it on max. Let it, uh, let it, let it, you know, let it do its thing. So anyway, all right. Um, hopefully there'll be a new episode soon for us to talk about. Cause like I was, I was really kind of bummed that I didn't get to watch it this week. Um, yeah. Cause I, like I said, I really liked the last two episodes. All right, moving on. Uh, this is our penultimate news story. So <laughs> Disney world, uh, this bite from deadline, Disney world closing pricey star Wars theme, galactic star cruiser experience. Uh, after okay, so- uh, what? Oh, keep. Oh, go. Oh, I was just gonna. Read I was it. just gonna say. After about four years, um, about four years after it was announced by then chairman of the Walt Disney Parks Experience and Products, Bob Chapek, and about a year after officially opened, it officially opened. Disney revealed today that it would be closing the pricey for guests anyway. Star Wars themed starship star cruiser experience in September. The news came on the same morning that the parks and resorts boss, John DeMero, sent a note to the Disney Parks Experience and Products employees confirming that Disney is abandoning its plan to move around 2,000 staffers with their families uh, from California to Central Florida. Um, this is the statement from, from Disney regarding the. Uh, 
the failed star drive and crash into a planet. Uh, Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser is one of the most creative projects ever and has been praised by our guests and recognized for setting a new bar in innovation and immersive entertainment. Um, so let me just uh, let me just translate that, right? We suck. We didn't do anything Star Wars fans really wanted, and there weren't enough normie LARPers who wanted to come experience this. Okay. This premium boutique experience gave us an opportunity to try new things on a smaller scale of 100 rooms. As we prepare for its final voyage, we will take what we've learned to create future experiences that can reach more of our guests and fans. I'm going to translate this one. We shat the bed with Batu in, in Galaxy's Edge. Now we decided to double down on the High Republic bullshit. And here we are going out of business because we charged far too much money for something that was closer to Star Trek than Star Wars. Did, did, did I get that right? And uh, here's who am I? I saw this and I laughed. I didn't quite laugh as loudly as as Liam, but <laughs> this was I, rem- I remember when this was first announced. And I said, even then, I was like, this is not going to do well. No. I looked at the price and it was just like, no. And this was before some of the, the Disney well, Plus crap. Y- yeah, so you th- have to remember, though, they put out like they, they, they put out like, we're going to do this. This is the first like 90 days. Book your book your time. You can cancel up until this point and get half your money back. And you can cancel, cancel up to this point and get all of your or none of your money back. Um and when they finally showed pictures, it was too late for people to get full refunds, and they still lost yeah. half their occupancy. Yes. Yep. That that even that, like you said, that solidified my thoughts on it. When I saw the pictures, it was it was embarrassing. Yeah. That this was something a major company put out as a premium experience. Mm-hmm. There's, I'm I'm actually so. It, it's just funny that this thing, and and again, they're not going to chalk this up as an L, just as you saw the the you know the marketingly correct language they used in that oh yeah uh, that that announcement. Like you said, yours was much more accurate and to the point <laughs> of how bad they screwed up. Yeah, I mean, there's that. They're not going to do this campus in Florida. Like, if I was a Disney employee. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to move to Florida and do this. I'd be fucking pissed that I had to stay in California and have to pay the taxes that you have to pay in California that you don't have to pay in Florida. I know. Like, look, yeah. Disney, you fucked up. You got involved in politics. You're not supposed to do that as a publicly traded company. The SEC probably should have stepped in and fined you. But that being said, the people in Florida who you as a California company said, we're just going to undermine you voted for certain people they passed a law they pat they they went in and they they went through the democratic process of pat making it writing a bill voting on it making it a law and the government signing the governor signing it to canonize it at law um so yeah you lost take the l like don't quit being fucking babies about all this shit now this is just (sighs) 
anytime I think they couldn't do worse for themselves or put themselves in a worse light, yeah, they do. And again, people see this. Not only do people are starting people starting to understand, and again, there are people that enjoy some of the Disney stuff, and I'm most more talking about the shows and movies, but and and because they continue to not listen. I had a conversation with one of my coworkers about he went to you know, he went on vacation with his family and he went to Orlando and he went to Universal because he's a you know huge Harry Potter fan growing up and all this stuff, and we were talking about that. And I, I mentioned the Galactic Cruiser and I mentioned some of the stuff that we're seeing. It's like they and like we talked about stuff like the Witcher because he asked me if I like that. And he had never he, he knows nothing about it. And I was like, yeah, season one, I like season two. It sucked because they didn't listen to fans. They mm-hmm. didn't follow source material. Same way that they're doing and Disney continues to do. And they're, they're again, not just movies and shows. They're showing outside of that that they're just bad people. Right. They're, they're just bad people. Yeah. I, I'm very comfortable in saying that. Obviously, not everyone involved, but the people higher up are bad people. I think the higher up people at Disney, yes, are like anybody who's at like yeah. director level and up is probably that's a what bad I mean. Person, yes. and then all of the yeah. people who work at the parks, who like I think on average like 17 of them get arrested for attempting child trafficking every year. Those are bad people. Are you serious? Yeah, like, I didn't know that. Yeah, there's there's like. Dude, I have wow. told you before, if you want a kid, just go to Disney, see one who's kind of wandered off from their parents, grab it and walk out, and the kid's going to be crying, like, you're not my dad, you're not my dad. And you're like, he wouldn't, I, I didn't want to buy him a goofy stuffed animal. He's really mad at me right now. Like, what are you going to do? Uh, yeah. So, or like chloroform him, stick him in a stroller, and like, oh, little guy's all tuckered out. I mean, it's really not hard. Oh. It's kind of why I understand why you put leashes on your kids at Disney. So, anyway, um, but you know, I mean this this is this is a huge out. I mean, like Disney is taking L after L after L right now. Like, yeah, the subscriber staggered, and, four million yeah, just, subs lost. Now most of that was India, but like I think it was like three hundred thousand in the U.S. I mean, that's that's nothing again, to shake your head at. No. That's like eight percent of that total four four million. Mm-hmm. So, but I, you know, here's the thing: at, at the end of the day, is Disney going to learn from their mistakes? No, no, they're not. Um, it's why Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three is probably going to be the last good Marvel movie. Um. And I'm hoping James James Gunn takes the sensibilities he used in that movie and brings it over to DC. Yeah. So, all right. Um, so talking about something else that Disney's killed, um, Marvel Comics, one. Uh, but two, they have decided to uh, kill Miss Marvel in Amazing Spider-Man 26, of all things. Um, Miss Marvel's death in Amazing Spider-Man 26 upsets and baffles fans. Is this racism? Is it, Daryl? Is it? Oh, my gosh. As the resident racist, Daryl, is this racism? (laughs) Kill them all. (laughs) All right. Uh, Thank you, Johnny Rico. Uh, Where are your roughnecks? (laughs) 
Actually, right. that oh. was that was more from uh, the program. Oh, oh yeah, Lattimer. kill them all, let the paramedics sort them out. Yeah, I love that show. That I bought that. It was on. It was finally <laughs> able to buy, and I bought it. All right, uh, here we go. In April, Amazing Spider-Man writer Zeb Wells teased fans by claiming his issue twenty-six would be so controversial that his editors told him, "Do not do any comic book conventions once this issue comes out." Everybody thought that he was going to make Peter walk in on Mary Jane having sex with her husband, who is drawn to look exactly like a Marvel editor for some reason. All right. (laughs) This announcement led fans to speculate Wells would be killing off the beloved character Mary Jane, but what they got instead was an apathetic disappointment when previews revealed the death of Miss Marvel. The announcement came as more of a whimper than a roar, with the issue originally solicited as being the most shocking issue of Spider-Man in 50 years, with the teaser Wells put prior to the in prior issues, Wells created a lot of misdirection, which didn't apply to Miss Marvel at all, but foreshadowed Mary Jane adding to the trauma of Spider-Man's mythos, joining the famous death of Uncle Ben and Gwen Stacy. Um, let's see. I here's the thing, Miss Marvel is like fetch in Bean girls gretchen stop trying to make fetch a thing it's not catching on i mean it, they are i mean they have a one shot coming out in july fallen friend the death of miss marvel you know who miss marvel is not superman you know who people don't care about miss marvel Ms. there marvel. are not going to be lenticular um the the cellophane wrapped Bagged, pre-bagged comics so people can't sit there and read it in the store and spoil it for people. You're going to have to get it and go home, right? No one, this is like, all Zeb Wells has to be afraid of is stupid little fangirls and and boys so filled with soy they can't even be an Antifa. I, I'm. I mean, I'm not kidding. Like this is this is the biggest nothing burger, like ever. Miss Marvel died. We have Miss Marvel dying. See, no one cares. Yeah, thank like, you, Dotson. No one cares. <laughs> no That's one not, cares at all. No. It's 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 just embarrassing. Again, I said that with Disney when we were talking about the Star Cruiser what they've done with Marvel comics. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about this before it's, it's gotten to the point for, for a while now that they, you can't be that incompetent. Can you, it's, it's, it boggles my mind that people would be that incompetent and not be purposefully doing some of the stuff they've been doing. Right. Right. So, um, so here we go. Ms. Marvel's death in the amazing Spider-Man is also confusing as Peter Parker and Kamala Khan don't have a long history together. They are not close as characters, and she's not involved in the Spider-Man mythos in any meaningful way, only having appeared in a handful of panels and books prior to this. It further adds to the feel of cheap publicity stunt with this issue. This issue didn't please the extreme left of the fan base either, many of whom are proving to be the most upset by the character's death. Readers are taking to Twitter to call Zeb Wells racist and misogynist. He's also what the, um, oh, also, hey, so what the fuck were Zeb Wells and Nick Lowe thinking by killing off Kamala Khan? Oh, the only, only 
mainline brown character Marvel has in Spider-Man book, in a, in a Spider-Man book. Shit feels racist and misogynist. That's from Harry Shortstack, at Harry Shortstack. Feel free to let him know what you think. Um, she's the only brown character? I mean, I feel like Spider-Man has the most tokenized brown character. Are you, oh, well, I guess Miles, Miles is black and brown, though. He is brown. I mean, like, I mean, like, you, he's a, he is, what, Afro-Latin or whatever. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of, like, black characters in fucking Marvel. Like, go look at the X-Men. Anyway, um. No. But, no, when they're talking about brown, they're talking about non-black. Oh, That's what I they're see. About. I see. Yeah. Um, so here's it, the thing: like people are like this is racism, and then they reply, and knowing Zeb Wells uh, and sexism, knowing Zeb Wells, here here's here's the real problem, right? Marvel comics are dying. Yes, they're doing whatever they can to 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 squeeze a little juice out of this turd, and. They thought, you know what? When we killed Peter Parker off in the Ultimate Universe and we ended the Ultimate Universe, it was a huge jumping off point for Miles Morales and was like one of the few times that he was actually a popular character for people to buy. Miss mm-hmm. Marvel's own book has been canceled dozens of times. Like maybe not dozens, maybe like a half dozen times. Every time she gets a new book, it might last six issues. I think the longest run one of her books has had is like 17 issues. And that was the first one in the TV show. She is a mutant in the comics. She is an inhuman. The inhumans are obviously persona non grata on Marvel TV because see horrific television show from six years ago. Um, Miss Marvel as a TV show was not watched by hardly anyone. Um, And even the people who watched it complained about the content. So they've now failed a character who by all means should be a really cool character. Yeah. On three platforms, comics and TV and video games. Yeah. And even with, I only watched one episode and I, I tapped out. I could say, even in that one episode, the actress they got for Kamala Khan, I really liked her. I thought she was really well cast. I, I think, yeah. you know, a, as far as that goes, I think they, they did a bunch of stupid stuff to make her power set bad. Um, yeah. Who was that? I was listening to somebody. They were like, oh, are they going to make her hand big when she dies? So, like, her big, meaty hand is, like, engulfing Peter. Um <laughs> <laughs> but he, this this is not this is not a comic book death that anybody needs to care about. And the fact that they touted this as the most shocking or surprising or however they in fifty years. Yeah. Uh, um, what? Yeah, and apparently, what? yeah, and she was killed in Miles Morales Spider Man book a while ago, which they brought her back to life. Miles brings her back to life. Is she going to be the Marvel's Kenny? You killed Miss Marvel, you bastard. <laughs> EVS's tweet in response to uh, Harry Shortstack might be my favorite. Hooray, Kamala Khan, a.k.a. Miss Marvel, the worst character Marvel Comics ever excreted, is finally dead. Yay. Uh, ever excreted. I, Ethan, I will see your Miss Marvel Kamala Khan and raise you a golden balls from X-Men. 
really did that yeah that was Um, so dumb yeah so apparently he did a video covering this as well so um you go over to EBS's YouTube and listen to that but here's the thing at the end of the day no one cares about this character this is like if if this character goes the way of like hey we're just gonna kill her off and bring her back in 10 years nobody's gonna care in 10 years that you brought her back I would venture to guess most people will have forgotten this character ever existed after a year. You are correct, sir. So, I mean, it is what it is when it is. Um, And I will say, like, John Romita's art, I'm usually, I usually kind of dig John Romita. And I'm kind of starting to see what John, sorry, John Romita Jr. Um, I'm starting to see what, why people aren't, super happy about him and as an artist anyway should we get to the it's now time for the main event yeah the piece de resistance ted lasso season three episode 10 the penultimate episode to the penultimate episode (gasps) international break um so daryl out of five danny rojas goes psychos I 3.81. What? I knew that was coming. (laughs) What? You are insane. I gave this a 4.43. Yeah. That crunch, that that taste, like, this was a solid piece of Ted Lasso content. Like, that's a good score. 3.81 is pretty good score i mean well last week you gave the episode a 4.11 the week before that you went with a 2.7 out of 5 mm-hmm. yeah and the week before that you went with a 3.87 okay i'm just saying your scoring is off you need to no. re- you need to recalibrate, my friend. <laughs> anyway. I said what I said. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, this was definitely the weirdest episode of Ted Lasso of the season, maybe ever. Yeah it 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 just it had had a different what is it uh, a different rhythm yeah. because of what was going on with the with the players and everything. Well, so. There was a, an international break, so t- players could go back and play friendlies for their home countries. Um, so, like, Danny went back to play for Mexico against Van Dam, who's Canadian. Um, Bumbersnatch is uh, Swedish, which was pretty funny. Um, Jamie got to play for England, which was really cool. Um, oh, and um, what's his name? Colin went and played for Wales. Yeah. But unfortunately, Sam Abisanya Abisanya was left off the very corrupt Nigerian team because Edwin Okofo paid them twenty million dollars. Oh, jeez! I will say the Edwin Okofo character is really funny because they only use him in small bits. And when he throws his tantrums, say, yeah. you don't get to see it because yeah. you know, he had um, the other guy throwing the food on everybody. Yeah. It wasn't him. 
it was the guy who we make shake every Reggie or whatever who, who, who everybody has to, he uses him to shake everybody's hand. Yeah, I, I that is a big part of what his appeal. Yes, if, if you use him one even one episode too much in the season, mm-hmm. he loses anything that makes him look interesting character, and then it just becomes a punchline. Right. So I, I did I like that. There were some very there were some very good story beats in this episode for between from you know what's going on with Nate to Keely and the most surprising and confusing to me is Rupert. Um, that is even though yeah. I think Nate Okay, so let's talk about Rupert and Nate at the same time. Um, so the the episode is opening kind of with Nate having quit West Ham or leaving West Ham. The Wonder Kid leaves West Ham. And, uh, you know, the, uh, the guy who Rebecca fired in the first episode from Richmond was like, oh, he was my kit boy. And it's like, yeah, you know, you're, you're, you're an idiot. Um, but this is the ramification of Nate walking away from Rupert trying to turn Nate into Rupert. Yeah. And I think what we're seeing, especially the way Rebecca reacts to the Akofu super league is that Rupert realizes what Nate taught him about loyalty and love and, you know, just kind of, morals so because mm-hmm. nate had the option to stay with rupert and go out with you know what what did she call him call um call her um corporate pixie dream girl or whatever rebecca said about his assistant yeah and instead he went back to jade and so from that this episode opens with nate who's like really down on himself rightfully so he quit his dream job and she goes to visit her dad and leaves him and he goes home um because he can't sleep and um, it's really funny when he breaks into the house and, yeah. and he's like, I need sleep. And just like walks by them and goes to bed. And then, um, it's like, he's in prison. Like I, I, I likened it to misery. <laughs> His mom just put the food in front of the door and then like a wild animal, he would just push the tray back out into the hall and close the door. Um, but he gets some time to himself and he kind of goes through and rediscovers himself. And while we did not see Rupert going through the same thing on screen, um, the actions that Rupert made off screen or sorry, off screen, the actions that we saw Rupert make on screen, I think really kind of resonated with Nate. Um, you know, he has a new assistant who is just this frumpy, you know, British lady. Um, mm-hmm. he invited Rebecca because I think he wanted to say no to this deal. Yeah. And he wasn't brave enough to do it. He knew she would be. Yeah, I, I I like that idea, and it makes sense. Particularly, I did I really enjoyed the story that she tells in that meeting. And the thing is, this is what confused me. Just when you see it from the perspective of what's going on on screen, mm-hmm. and not necessarily absorbing and thinking about what happened off screen, because it has been several weeks. It's been a couple, maybe yeah. almost a couple months, because they're on the was it an eight game or a 10 game win streak? They were on a 10 game win streak. Yeah. Yeah. Not a, not a no loss streak, but a win streak. Mm-hmm. So that's, it's been a couple months 
And so a lot of stuff could happen in that time frame or ha- has happened yeah. in that time frame. It was genuine to me. Mm-hmm. And that was what I was looking for. Everything in Rupert's mannerisms, he came across as genuine, not as someone acting genuine to get something that he wanted right. or anything like that. And that's what that's what threw me off more than anything, right. because we've gotten this guy who's, you know, even looking at his freaking office it yeah. looks like something like a dark emperor would, <laughs> yeah. would have well and to tie it to another AFC richmond uh character um when roy was talking to leanne the teacher um you know she's like you look different like you don't have the weight of the world on your shoulders and that's what rupert had he he didn't mm-hmm. have that same weight that he's had um previously yeah so, um, oh, we also forgot that Nate, um, broke into the Richmond locker room and got everything set up for everyone and left will. And I'm sorry, letter with a little piece of lavender on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was really good. I really liked that. Um, I liked Keely a lot in this episode. Yeah. For, again, I've had trouble with her, not necessarily her, but this, the writing yeah. of her character and more so the thing with Jack, but there's been some stuff even without Jack that just, yeah. just felt discombobulating with her and her story and how it fits with everything. Yeah. I mean, cause and, we talked about this, her story ended at the end of season two with the yeah. show, you know, when, with her going right. off. So I, I did like where she, the, 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 I mean the up and the, the super down that she got to, uh-huh. and then back to up again. And, looking as if her life is in better shape than it was even before this episode. Yeah. And I mean, may gave her some great advice and she told her to eat a sandwich cause she doesn't need another skinny girl passing out in the bar and ruins her Yelp ratings. <laughs> um, but no, when, when Keely says, what's, uh, what's the opposite of the Midas touch and may goes, it's the Midas shits. And Keely's like, yeah, that's what I have. And, and may goes, yeah, but you need shit to grow things. Um, yeah. And, in Keely again, like there was a lot of like characters taking things to heart in this episode and, and kind right. of like growing from it, watching Roy and Keely come back together. Cause they both kind of realized something and you know, it's, uh, it was, it was really funny. Like at the end with, uh, Rebecca offering Keely the money and laughing when she gave her like how much she was spending. She's like, Oh, I have that on me right now. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then Roy comes down in the robe. <laughs> Not one of you defended me and said, I don't have a hairy ass, which you all know. <laughs> I will never forgive you. I will never forgive you for this. <laughs> and then we had the thing that you didn't realize you were waiting for and needed was Nate and his dad finally, Oh, I thought you were going to talk about meeting Roy's fit sister. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Or the fact that Roy and apparently, according to Phoebe, Roy and Jamie are best friends. I mean, yeah. Except for Jamie's best friend. I mean, yeah. That's... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but... um, No, the stuff with Nate and his dad was really good. Yeah. That was one of those things. I was was so happy to get that because, we. I mean, we on and off there it's just like dude calm down like be good to your son like show him a modicum of love and respect right and 
finally getting that was, I mean, you were talking about earlier about, you know, the weight of the world or like that pressure, like so much of what Nate has been going through and some of more his negative turns was, it is due to that pressure of never feeling like he was a, a well, based on what we saw, not ever getting his father's truly getting his father's respect. Yeah. Right. And like learning that Nate's a genius, like, which, I mean, we've seen, you know, already mm-hmm. like, like Nate, Nate, Nate got the job to spite Ted and Rebecca, but Nate succeeded, yeah. you know, because of him, because like of how him. good he is. Yeah. Yes. Um, which was, was pretty cool. Um, and yeah, it was a great little moment that, that I think both of them needed. It wasn't just Nate needed, but like they both oh, yeah. really his, needed. Yeah. He absolutely, his father absolutely needed it as well. Yeah. So, um, oh, and then, um, so uncle's day was a thing, um, or uncle Roy day, <laughs> uh, which is, um, what's her name? The niece whose name I can't remember. Phoebe. Phoebe's favorite holiday, followed by Uncle Roy's birthday, followed by some day where you dress up and chase people off. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> me- meeting Roy's sister was fun, and there's definitely a Kent eyebrow thing going on there. So I think Phoebe's eyebrows yes. come from her dad. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, And if you're curious, um, she was played by Sophia Barkley, who is a actor, comedian, writer, smoke show. Um <laughs> <laughs> art of jamie jamie tart lust um you know so <laughs> anyway that would be great like she if like she got divorced and hooked up with jamie got or got with jamie not just like hooked up but um but yeah no that was that was like really funny and they did the whole like you know presence and jamie gave him an england kit with his name on it replacing the e with a u which was hilarious um you know, um, and like you said, Phoebe's a grifter. One hundred percent grift. One hundred percent. You made me think about it. <laughs> you made me think about it, Jamie. Fair, you know. Here you go. And then we curse later, and she's like, "Um, he's like worth it." <laughs> um. But uh. But yeah, it's just. Yeah, it's just fun. I mean, it's just a f- it was just so good. Um you know, and then you had like contrasting with Sam um being sad for not being on the Nigerian team and then Jamie, again, the maturation of Jamie Tart on display. He doesn't wear his traditional number 9. Um yeah, he wore number 24 in honor of Sam. Which that that, that was a great and it just again, he continues to solidify. Right. That's why I'm really excited for next week's episode because it's they're going back to Man City. And he meet his mom, I think. Yeah, he so. really solidified himself as far as my favorite character, just from a standpoint of character growth. Mm-hmm. What we got in the first episode to where he is now, right? It's just, it's just fantastic. So, um, and then, uh, I mean, there was some Ted stuff. Like Ted wasn't really in this episode much. Um, his yeah, little he girl in, talk, his little girl talk with, uh, Rebecca, um, you know, Higgins giving Rebecca like kind of the permission to not get Willy Wonka was really funny. 
Because <laughs> she's like, I don't think those kids are getting killed. And he's like, mm, I beg to differ. Um, so, but, uh, but yeah, I, like all in all, I think this, I think this was a really solid episode. Like I, I enjoyed it more than last week and I really liked and last honestly, week. Honestly, honestly, this is, this showcased how this show can go on without Ted Lasso. You have to keep Beard there though. That's the thing. Like Beard's weirdness without Ted will be even better. Yeah. I I would I would oh, I would we, like to We forgot to talk about what? Roy's tie-dye shirts. Oh. He, that did. That was <laughs> When he takes it off and he gets into my dream car and starts to drive away and he starts it back up, there's a part of me that thought he's going to run it over. <laughs> I really did. I that, really thought he was going to maybe run it over and, you know, he I, uh he didn't. <laughs> I didn't think he could do that because it was from Phoebe. Well, yeah, if you it was never from know. someone else. Yeah. But uh but yeah. I think that's it. Yeah, it's another solid episode. I mean, we only have two more to go. I know. And there's no like, uh, there's no word on on what's happening or anything like that or where it's gonna go. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So next week is your favorite one of your favorite word episodes. Ultimate. <laughs> it's the penultimate episode. I love it. Um, well, cool. All right, that's the episode for this week. Three eighty six. We've only got 14 to go. What's 14? 400? Episode 400. I know. The series finale. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to come back as a completely different show. We're going to do a new number one with episode 401. New covers. New creative team. All it is, all it's going to be, is like, hey, how we love Marvel comics now, and how great the, how great Disney Plus shows are. Just the Disney Plus shows are the best. Like, we should do, we should do an episode of that. Like, God, I can't, I couldn't even, I couldn't even. I couldn't get. I was about to say I couldn't get through probably like sixty seconds without laughing. I mean, I would say one thing, and you would like just crack up laughing because you are like yeah no this this is just this is wrong and bad like what are we doing here right right um but yeah all right um well that's the show thanks for listening we'll see y'all next week see you next week bye DFS podcast is recorded in Kings Mills, Ohio, just north of Cincinnati. You can find new episodes every Sunday on Apple Podcast, YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcast, our website, or anywhere podcasts are downloaded. This show is hosted by Daryl Jasper and me, Brian Tudor. To find more information about the show, visit us at infamouspodcast.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at infamouspodcast to keep up with the show. We also have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash infamous podcast. We have some great rewards for our patrons who are looking for help to grow the show to bring you more of the content you want to hear. Music for this podcast is provided by Michael Henry from meetmichaelhenry.com. 
So, whenever you're listening to us, have a great day, night, evening, weekend, whenever it is. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.